along with every other position in the veterinary hospital, we have to do better for our teams and our practice managers and our practice owners need to wake up and see these problems and help fix them and give the managers the support they need. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Whisker Talks, the Whisker Cloud Veterinary Marketing Podcast. I'm Adam Greenbaum, CEO and founder of Whisker Cloud. Today, I have Melissa Stedman, Practice Manager from Brandywine Valley Veterinary Hospital. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. You and I have talked a few times in the past, and you know, I'd reached out to you to be on this podcast. And then lately, some of your LinkedIn posts made me so excited for this podcast. And I don't even know if you understand like why I'm so excited about those posts, but I'm really excited for people to get to know you. I mean, you guys have so much going on at the hospital. You just told me before we started recording, you're in the middle of a construction project, which our team knows about. First and foremost, luckily you're a Marvel fan. So I want to know what is your veterinary origin story? And maybe you want to tie that to who your favorite Marvel character is. Oh, okay. So (laughs) yes, I love Marvel obsessed. I have the typical story, always loved animals since I was a kid, and I originally wanted to be a veterinary nurse and started working at a hospital when I was 15. Unfortunately, at that practice, when I was 19 years old, I was severely attacked by a dog at work. Four surgeries later and four months later, I did go back to practice, but kind of took more of a turn into the office management side of things. So That was my new goal for my career, and I'm happy to say I got there. The Marvel character I most relate to would totally be Black Widow. She went through all that trauma and then still came back to kick ass. Hell yeah. I love that. Well, I'm excited to talk to you because we don't have a lot of practice managers on this podcast ever, and I think being a practice manager has to be an insane job. But also, and I've referenced some of the Facebook groups I'm in, Practice managers that I've met and practice managers that I see posts online, this doesn't seem like an overall happy time for practice managers. Is that a fair assessment? I know like your situation is great, but just overall, is this rough right now? I would say it's really rough. I help run like a local practice managers group. We have about 50 members and everyone is just struggling so hard right now. I'm lucky where I'm at, but I've been in situations where that wasn't the case. And practice management is so hard. It's so lonely. You're the only you know, manager typically in your practice. It does help to connect with other managers in that same space. But I mean, just hiring and retention and the mental health crisis and corporate groups and competing with their rates. It's just, it, it's a hard time to be a manager for sure. And it's funny, everything you just said is what I feel as someone that runs a company like Whisker Cloud. It's, we think of the same thing, employee retention. How do we take care of people? How do we make sure we're profitable? How do we, you know, there's this crazy balance. And what I'm kind of hoping comes out of today, as weird as this sounds, is I would like me who runs the business and you, someone who is also running the business from sort of a different position and seeing things maybe from the team member side, as opposed to ownership side, I think today is going to be a really interesting, like back and forth between the two of us. And you had said, you know, your favorite thing about veterinary medicine is the people. I think most people agree about that. It takes a really special person to care about animals and want to do it so much that you want to work in the hospitals, especially because we know 
this is not a glamorous life that you live if you work in a vet hospital. Is that fair to say? Oh, 100% agree with that. It's a very, very difficult job. Try running Whisker Cloud. It is equally draining. Just kidding, everyone. Love you all. (laughs) But with that being said, no one really goes to school to be a practice manager. I mean, you can get certified and you can, but, and you might correct me seriously here. No one really is like going to college, going to other schools. It's like, I'm going to be taught how to run a veterinary practice. Do I have that right? Oh, yeah, for sure. I would say most of us have worked in a veterinary practice for a very long time. And then the owner just decided that we were the manager now. (laughs) (laughs) I love where this conversation is heading, by the way, because, you know, I reference all the practice management groups on these podcast episodes. And I like constantly screenshotting and sewing stuff to our team members here at Whisker Cloud. I'm screenshotting stuff and showing my wife. I'm showing other people in veterinary medicine. I'll be honest, like these posts are nuts. They're wild. They blow me away. Melissa, they're crazy. Everyone is miserable. And I think the thing that freaks me out more about it is they're publicly miserable. They are saying on Facebook, on LinkedIn, how much they hate their life at work. And it shows where they work. Is that nuts? Am I crazy? I see it too. It blows me away too. And I think that so many managers are just so burnt out and have such a lack of support from their practice owners or their regional management, if they're corporate, that they're just done. They're just exhausted. And we have no one to vent to, you know, like we can't just call in our CVTs and be like, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed today. My job sucks. We can't do that. It's all got to stay inside so that you can be that face of the hospital. And it's not easy. And I really think that a lot of people are turning to social media to vent whether it's appropriate or not appropriate. Yeah. So practice owners, and I know there's a lot of you that listen, please listen closely to the next few questions I'm about to ask. What percentage of practice managers would you guess have a close relationship with a practice owner, practice owners in terms of talking strategy, talking revenue, talking growth, future? Is it honestly, I was going to ask if it's half that feels like it's not even near half. Am I right? I would agree with that. I don't think it's half. It needs to be 100%. I mean, your relationship with your practice owner is so important and directly affects everything that you do in your hospital and how successful your hospital is going to be. Interesting. Okay. Someone once told me I should have gone to law school and I don't think I have the temperament to be a good lawyer, but I feel like I'm like leading with some of these questions. So if I'm wrong, just be like, no, you're very wrong. But I get the vibes that it's not like you're coming in and, you know, like weekly, Hey, and I know when I say you're, I mean, practice managers in general. They're not talking strategy like, hey, this is our revenue this week. This is where we were at the same week last year. This is where we were at last month. This is where we were last week. You know, this is what we're thinking. Do conversations like that happen at the typical veterinary hospital between the owners and practice managers? I think it depends on how involved the practice owners want to be. I feel like there's no like in between with practice owners. They're either completely like hands off and they're just like handle it or they're micromanaging everything that their manager does and they're looking at revenue constantly. I would say it probably happens. In my practice, we try to meet about strategy and financials once a month after I process the the month before, which I think is a good number. I think if you focus too hard in on the numbers, you're going to take the focus off of your staff and your people, and that's really where your focus should be. Okay. This is where I get myself into trouble. So I recently published an article, or I didn't publish, I was interviewed and I talked about how I believe 
robots are going to be taking a lot of humans jobs and AI is going to be taking humans jobs. And I've seen that at Target and at the grocery store and at the banks and at fast food restaurants and at non-fast food restaurants. I think there's a lot of automation and technology coming. I struggle with that because on one hand, I'm obsessed with that stuff. I think the idea of automation and robots and cutting back is really exciting to me because I think it allows you to offer a much better experience for people. I'll say one more thing. I recently told a story on a previous episode about why I left my last veterinary hospital and about how they basically left me in the car to sit for an hour and then asked me to reschedule. And I came back in, they kind of let me sit around for a while and then told me they didn't have time to see me that day either. Just like three or four incidents that made me just say, okay, they're nice people. This is a great clinic, but it's probably just not what I want for my pets. And that was the end of it. But I think what was interesting to me was on the day and a quick summary for everyone who doesn't listen to every episode First couple visits, we had some issues. We were always 30, 40 minutes late, which is fine. I get it. There's COVID, sat in the car, played on my phone. Dogs hated it. But anyway, there was a time where they made me sit in the car for about an hour, came out, apologized, said, we can't see you today. Can you come in Saturday afternoon? I go in Saturday afternoon. I wait around 30 minutes later. They have me sit inside and they're like, you can't stay. We can't see you today. Now, I was floored because... I was the only car in the parking lot. I was the only person in that clinic on that Saturday. And one of the things that really stuck out to me that day was there was three or four reception members sitting there. The phones weren't ringing. And I thought, okay, this is a lot of people. This feels weird. This doesn't seem like they figured that out. So I left. So I'm leading up to this and talking endlessly. Sorry. But some of the things you talked about were like, Vetman needs to put their people first. We need to pay a living wage to our staff, provide them with flexible schedule, adequate time off, offer health and retirement benefits, generous parental support, all of that. I agree. And you also talked about how your least favorite parts of Vet Matter, just how people are getting left behind, paying low wages, little to no PTO, which is another big thing I want to talk about. So with that being said, I have a question for you, and this might get me in trouble, but I want your honest opinion. I like trouble. It's okay. Bring it. All right, good. Let's get into some trouble. (laughs) There were four people there. I don't know if they were all CSRs. I don't know if one was a PM. It was a Saturday. I'm the only car outside. This is a massive multi-doctor hospital. It's huge. I'm the only person there. For some reason, they couldn't see me. No, I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, and I didn't want to ask or fight with them. I just wanted to take my dogs home. Why were there four people sitting there? And I'm saying this, this is trouble time. If those four people are not getting paid well, would it be better if there was two to three of them, but they were getting paid better? A hundred percent. They definitely are not getting paid enough to care about you as the client sitting in their parking lot. (laughs) Oh, I love where this is heading. (laughs) And that scenario is so common in vet med and it's, I'm over it. Let me tell you. Oh, I got you on a good day. Hell yes. (laughs) You and I are going to have some fun. We're 12 minutes in. Oh my God. Okay. So you're right. They don't give a shit that I'm sitting in my car because they don't care. And by the way, how do I word this? Because a lot of what I say always comes off very anti-employee. And I have to remember that because I do run a company, but Okay, so there's four people there. So we agree that four people sitting there doing nothing is kind of a waste of time. It's tough, right? Because you're like, 
I'm sure all four are nice people. All four have stuff going on at home. They should all be able to make a living. But if all four are going to be sitting there making $12 an hour, whatever it might be, what's the point? And even at that point, between four people, not one person gave a shit about me for 30 minutes. That's weird too. Anybody can walk into a business and know instantly if the staff are happy or not. If you're getting greeted with like a kind warm greeting and they're loving on your pets and they seem interested in you, they're getting treated well. If you come in and they're on their phone or they're like, whatever, okay, I'll check you in. I just have a hard time believing that people like that are getting paid well and treated well at their practices. Okay. So sort of part one of this, and I'm loving the quiet rage that's coming out of you on this podcast (laughs) as a lover of the Hulk. I can appreciate it. So let's talk about the PTO. I'm on Facebook the other day and I was just going through my feed and there's a post in a practice managers group talking about someone wanting time off, but they didn't offer PTO. And there's 60 comments. Everyone commenting is like, no, we don't do PTO. We don't do PTO. I'm like, hold the hell up. My business is in California. We have crazy PTO. I think we give... Oh my God, at Whisker Cloud, we do, I think we have nine or 10 paid holidays. We always do more during like Christmas, Thanksgiving too, depending on the day of the week. We have another like 18 days of PTO, another like 18 days of sick time or something like that. If HR is listening, don't super quote me on all this, but I know it's over a month between everything and then some. You're telling me that hospitals don't give people any paid time off at all? That's crazy. I constantly tell my staff, We work to live. We don't live to work. Work is not the most important thing. And when you come to work, we want you to be happy, but we also want you to spend time with your family. And I never want anyone to feel guilty for asking for time off, for calling in sick or any of that. And the other side of the coin is practices that offer PTO, but then they never approve it. It's like, oh, well, I I don't have anyone to cover. Well, you better figure it out. If someone is on vacation, I'm out front, I'm answering the phone, I'm helping hold dogs for nail trims, helping take x-rays, whatever it takes to get my people the vacation time that they deserve, I'm going to do it. People need to recharge. And especially in such an emotionally draining profession as veterinary medicine, it is so important to give PTO. Like I have a personal goal in my mind that I'm never going to deny PTO. I don't care. I don't care how hard it is. It makes my life for that week. That's a small moment in time. I will do whatever it takes to get them their PTO because they need it. We all need PTO. Does your practice owner understand how lucky they are to have you? (laughs) I think he does. (laughs) We worked together for a long time at another clinic and kind of went through a corporate takeover that didn't go very well. He started this practice because all these people that he cared for, he saw what they were going through with this group that purchased us. And he was like, no, this isn't how it needs to be. We need to do better. I didn't even hesitate when he asked me to do this with them. So I'm so thankful that we're, we're creating this and kind of getting the word out that other hospitals have to treat their people well, too. You would think that that would be such a common sense thing, and it's just not, and it's not okay. Are you familiar with the anti-work page on Reddit that's been getting a lot of press lately? Yes, I love that page. <laughs> okay, well, hold on. All right, this is this is going to be our moment to talk. Oh, man. Now we're getting look, into it for real. <laughs> no, let's get into this for real. I look at that page every day. I hate that page, but I Me look too. at it 100 yeah, times a day. Well, you're like, you love it, you yeah. hate it. I get what yeah. you're saying. But like, oh, my God. I mean, I read these posts, and I'm like, 
this is your problem. This is weird. And this is, I think this is going to be such an interesting thing for a lot of people to listen to in veterinary medicine. It's weird, right? When you own or run a business, you want to be profitable. You want to take care of people. There is such a fine line that is really, really, and I'm saying this as someone who started Whisker Cloud from scratch and has grown it to dozens and dozens of employees and really having to figure out a lot of stuff on the fly. And I've made mistakes in the past, whether it's hiring, pay, raises, all of that stuff. I mean, I can tell you all the problem when you give, let's say you want to give someone a raise. Okay. How long have they been here? Okay. They're really going above and beyond, but if I want to give them a raise after seven months, does that now set the stage for a raise every seven months? Well, if I also want to do something for them on their one year anniversary, but they're going so above and beyond now, I'm going to give them more money now, but then we'll hold on. We'll wait. Then what's going to happen on their one year anniversary. All of a sudden, like this is going to get out of hand really quick. So that's kind of the thoughts from like someone who's gone through this a lot. But I mean, I go on this anti-work page and it's tough because I think there are a lot of people out there that really do get treated horribly. But I can also say this about situations we've had at Whisker Club where we've had really toxic people here. Man, some employees don't make it easy. So hearing me say that, do you feel the same? Obviously, we want to take care of people and do the right thing. I knew this was going to come off as me like shaming or employee berating them. It really isn't meant to be that way. But do you get what I'm saying? My guess is at some point at Brandywine, you've had employees that were toxic and like didn't make life easy, right? Yeah. And I think what's important with those employees, I think if you're doing your part as a good manager or a good practitioner and you're doing your best to mentor and coach them and you have your talks with them, you're upfront. I think it's so important with employees like that, that you don't let things go on for four weeks before you discuss it with them. I mean, like if you notice something, you're talking about it right away. I think if you're doing all of that and they're still not getting better, you know, you put a timeline on it. If it's not working out, they have to go because you don't want to sink the entire ship. And if they're affecting the work of all your other employees, they've just got to go. If you're doing your part to try to make things work, I think that's what's important and to try to give people a chance. But if you have great employees that are being affected by this one person, you've got to do what's best for the organization as a whole. So I definitely think that not every single employee can be saved, but you can do your best to treat people well from the beginning. Have you ever had to do something like a, we call them PIPs or performance improvement plans? Do you do that at the hospital? I'm lucky enough that I haven't had to really do them here, but at the previous practice I worked at, yes, I did. And I think that about half the time they were successful if they were outlined very well. I'll tell you this, seriously, I think maybe outside of like one or two, every time we've had to do that, that person's just been done. And that's always tough because we're typically, I mean, we don't do it unless, I mean, there's obviously like verbal warnings and like, Hey, let's train on this. Let's do this. But then it hits a point where you're just like, Hey, we're going to write this out. We're going to put a timeline on it. And the moment that's done, my wife just did that for one of her employees. I don't know. Will she get mad at me if I say that? I'm like, why would her employee from a surf company be listening to her boss's husband's veterinary podcast? I think I'm okay. But she put him on a pip and a couple months back and she did his end of year review a couple days ago. And he basically said once he got that pip, he just completely gave up. And it's interesting, right? Because she's continually trying to give him more responsibility and stuff. And I met the guy is a big goober, nice guy, but it's so funny. Like that single piece of paper, that single discussion basically just derailed him, but yet he's still there. So it's just interesting how to have this discussion. And really like everything I'm saying, I know I'm kind of jumping around from like Reddit to pips and that 
all of this is tied together. And I don't think a lot of people realize that in VetMed from both sides, whether you're owner, practice manager, whether you're CSR assistants, just trying to like have a good job and have work-life balance. So where in your opinion is the middle ground on all this? Where do we all meet in the middle and get it figured out? Is it even possible? I think it's possible if you have a good foundation. And when I say good foundation, I mean living wage. So stop paying your receptionist $10 an hour. They're worth way more than that. Offer good health benefits, offer retirement benefits, PTO. Like that's all your foundation. And then I think me personally as a manager, I tend to break all the management rules where I am friends with my employees, but they all understand that if I have to be your manager and your boss, then I'm going to have to do that sometimes. Like if you screw up, like we're going to have to talk about it. And I think just caring about them in that sense, developing a relationship with all of these people that I work with every day, that in turn forms trust. They see me as a person, not just as like, oh, here's the boss coming, act like you're busy. Like it's not like that. And I think when you're doing those types of things and you're putting your relationships with your people first in every decision that you make, I think that results in a lot less of those people that just give up or they can't do it. Or if they're getting to that point, they're being open and honest with you way before it becomes a big problem. And I think that it's so important. I know so many managers that are like, I will never go to a happy hour with my staff or I will never be friends with them on Facebook. And I'm like, why? That just alienates you from your staff. I mean, I love my staff. I enjoy them every day. Like it's like a big group of friends all came to work and we laugh and and we get through the day together. So I can't imagine being hiding in my office all day and just not developing those relationships that are so important. That's interesting. And I agree with you. Like I always like have this running joke not to date the podcast, but tonight my wife and I are having dinner with one of our top employees and her boyfriend, because we live in Newport Beach, California, where we're kind of famous for like lobster rolls. And she's had them, but never like down here. And they happen to be down here for something today. So I said, Hey, you're down there. Come have dinner with Liz. We'll get lobster rolls because I'm always sending them pictures. So yeah, I mean, we're having that dinner. And you're right. It is hard when times get tough. And and there is, there are rough days and there are rough times. And you do have to separate the, Hey, I'm your buddy. Remember when we had lobster rolls yesterday and Hey, you didn't get that done. What the hell? This is why I was so excited to have you on to get your perspective. Like you just recently had a post. You said real talk. If you're managing your veterinary hospital, whether they work for me and I'm the boss attitude, you're doing it wrong. True leaders work to serve the needs of the team and never see themselves above any other position in the clinic. It's our job to create a safe, empowering and fun work environment where people have the right tools to do their jobs and live their lives. So let's talk about that. Yeah, I wrote that because it's like what you started off in the beginning. Like you see all these people like complain on Facebook and management groups and stuff. It's just like, I always see like the no one respects me or the no one does this. To me, it's like, what did you do to earn that respect? And when I say that, I truly feel like my job is to work for them to make sure that they have the tools that they need to do their jobs. Because the other part of my job is to manage the business and to help it be profitable And the people are what make it profitable. If your people are happy and taken care of and they have the tools to do their job, which is medical equipment, uniforms, a safe environment, skilled doctors to work with, they're going to take care of your clients and your patients appropriately. And that's going to make you money. And when I was saying, like, give them the tools to live their lives, that equates to living wages, PTO that they actually get to take, not making them feel guilty for calling out if they're sick. 
I used to work with someone that did that all the time and it drove me insane, not feeling guilty if they needed a mental health day and not didn't have to like pretend that like their grandma died just to get a day off from work. Just all of those things. These things like come to me as I read these posts a lot. And that's when I post things on LinkedIn to, that probably make some people <laughs> mad, but I don't care. <laughs> so. I like people who don't care when they make people mad. No, I'm with you. I mean, the posts in this, some of these Facebook groups blow my mind. And then the comments, you're like, oh my God, that post is nuts. There's no way anyone's going to agree with it. And then everyone's like, hell yeah. And I'm like, wait, what? You all agree with that? There is, there is this really, and by the way, just so everyone out there knows about what I'm about to say it's like this at every industry i don't think it's just veterinary medicine although veterinary medicine feels weird there is like this very combative vibe between practice managers and owners and teams at veterinary hospitals where everything's a gotcha everything is i'm coming after you and to be honest well some of us have get in trouble. I don't think a lot of people do stuff maliciously. I think a lot of people are just, Ooh, um, clueless. We'll use that word. I agree. And I think a lot of times with managers, it's the same story, right? It's the nurse that has worked here for 17 years. She has no management experience, but she's a great CBT. So let's make her the practice manager and then give her no guidance. All of a sudden she's not a CBT anymore. She's a practice manager. So her staff was like, feeling kind of weird about her and the practice owner just expects her to do everything without really giving her any tools to do anything. Right. I see that scenario a lot in practice management, just along with living wages. Practice managers need to be paid well. Our job is hard. We directly affect the revenue. We're not a producing veterinarian, but if we're doing our jobs right, we are affecting the bottom line. And when you're paying a practice manager 18 bucks an hour, and not giving them the tools that they need to do their job, of course, they're going to be burnout. They're going to be blaming the staff. They're going to think everyone's against them. And I don't blame them for that at all. Along with every other position in the veterinary hospital, we have to do better for our teams and our practice managers. And our practice owners need to wake up and see these problems and help fix them and give the managers the support they need. We've got to do something or our industry is going to continue to suffer from these mental health crisis that are happening everywhere, people leaving the field to go work for pharma or to leave animal health completely. I'm constantly seeing text posts. Hey, are there any remote positions? I'm burnt out at my practice. I can't do this anymore. No one listens to me. Management doesn't care. Like I see those posts constantly and pretty soon we're not going to have any veterinary technicians. We're not going to have any veterinarians. We have to do something now. We should have done something 10 years ago, but we have to do it now because now it's a big problem. But don't you just know, like, that's not how humans work. Humans don't care until it's like near death time. Look at our planet. I know I'm about to get all preachy, but yeah, it's like we should have done something 10 years ago. You could probably say that about everything on earth. And yet this is how humans roll, which is one of the most frustrating things I deal with every single day. I love this because, by the way, I asked you to be on because you and I have had some talks. Every time I've spoken to you, I'm just like so impressed with you. And then I always see your posts on LinkedIn and they always make me smile because you're just like pounding your fist on the table, which I love. And this this episode is going exactly or better than I thought it would, which is just great because I think people like working with Whisker Club, like working with me and our team. And I think my team has taken on my personality, something I've been teaching people a lot internally, and I take a lot of time to train them on this, is be direct. You are the expert at your job. 
you do this. Someone emails you and says, hey, we don't think the phone number should be on the website anymore. Can you take it down? Don't just say, okay, explain to them, hey, you had 1,100 people on your website last month. Don't you think they want to have the phone number? Obviously, we want them to go through the website so your phone's not ringing all the time. But don't you want, don't you feel that you should be able to provide that? Go find a successful local business on earth or restaurant or dentist or whatever or dry cleaner that doesn't have their phone number on the website. You won't find one. So we need to be the experts in what we do. When you're talking about all of this and you're like, I'm a practice manager and I'm beating this drum and doing this, there's so much anger and animosity, it seems, from practice managers online. Let me just say this and we'll, well, I won't say the stupid shit anymore. For everyone out there, I'm not saying anything insulting. I'm just asking questions. So with that being said, is it just because they shouldn't be a practice manager? Maybe they were a, you know, an assistant or a tech that was just promoted into a role that was just too big for them. And now they're miserable because they just weren't ready for it. Is it because the environment around them doesn't give them the ability to do a good job? Or is it just that the world's weird, everyone's pissed off, and we're just going to vent about it online because that's how Americans do it? I think it's probably a little bit of all of the above. Practice managers need CE. CE costs money and practice owners don't always want to invest in their teams. So I think that's definitely a place to start. Like if you're promoting a tech or a receptionist to be a practice manager or you're hiring a practice manager who maybe like worked in another field or something, you have to invest in them to learn. There's so many great management programs out there. To get certified is a huge process cost me so much stress, but I'm so happy I did it. That's a great place to start and to really kind of get an understanding of how to run a business and how to run a veterinary hospital. And then the practice owner has to be really supportive and to be there for that practice manager and have their back and mentor them and help them grow the practice because ultimately they're trusting this person with their baby. So I think that's unfortunately sometimes practice managers just get a rough start and then everything else topples around them or they're working on the floor for 30 hours a week. And so when do they have time to manage the business? There's many factors and I think it can all get better. One thing that I definitely love doing is like helping other managers. I'm always telling people, hey, if you need help, like I'm happy to help you. I have a friend who just started managing her practice. You know, she's a nurse and I talk to her almost every day and I'm happy to help her with anything she needs because I want managers to succeed and do better because they're leaving the field too. Like they're leaving to go be sales reps or to just like work in another field. So it's not just the staff that's leaving, it's the management teams too. And they're needed as well. Like anyone else, we just need to give them the tools that they need to do their jobs. And that's really on the practice owners or regional managers or whoever your bosses essentially to give you those tools to succeed. I have a post ready to read off to you that I was talking about. It's a screenshot that I sent to some friends who also own tech companies in veterinary medicine. And it was a post from practice managers group. And it basically said, do you allow time off if employees don't have PTO? We give PTO after one year. That's crazy, right? Yes. <laughs> who wants to wait a year to take a vacation? <laughs> Here's what I don't understand. How is that not common sense? You have to make a decision at some point, right? If you don't want to pay people well, which it seems like a lot of hospitals struggle with, don't they understand that it's literally not possible to go a year without time off? And that also, if these people aren't getting paid well, then you probably 
at some point have to do something to balance that out. I don't know. Like, I don't want to just sit here and be rude about it, but it's insane to me how nonchalant it is. It's just like, yep, we don't give P2 after a year. What does everyone else do? It's like, wait, are you freaking serious? How? How do they not understand that? I think that some of it comes from just like that celebrating like the ultimate like workaholic. I'm totally that person. Like if I worked every day, I would be perfectly happy, but I have two kids and a husband at home. So I think workaholic type people, type A people tend to expect everyone else to be like that. And I wonder if that's where some of it comes from. But I admit, I totally have to take vacation just like everyone else. And a year is absurd. I can totally see like waiting a trial period, which is what most places do 60, 90 days when they get their PTO or they accrue it, which that would be another topic I could go off on. But I just give all of the PTO at the beginning of the year and then they have it. They can use it whenever they want. Oh, we have to talk about that. <laughs> you want to get us in more trouble? <laughs> well, that's interesting because people at Whisker Cloud accrue it from day one, but I'm getting the vibe that you don't like that. So you give it all up front, even for new employees? Yeah, for new employees, like I'll prorate it essentially. So if they start in like December and they need a week off or something, like we'll figure it out. It's fine. But ultimately, like we give all their PTO every they get it every it resets every January. So that way, like they have it. They don't have to worry about like, oh, I want to take a vacation in like this month, but only have accrued like 20 hours by then. Can I still do that? Or I feel like that just causes anxiety and stress for my staff, and I don't want them to feel that way. And at least in my experience, like when they accrue PTO, a lot of times like they happen to just have all their PTO available like in the summer when we're super busy. Everyone wants to take PTO, which is like, like I said, like my goal is to never deny it. But when they just have it in January, they can take it whenever they want. They can go on a ski trip in the winter or they can, you know, maybe they want to take a couple long weekends. They have the flexibility to do that. And to me, that just takes stress off of them. It takes stress off of me too, because then I don't have to like do a bunch of math that I don't want to do and try to figure that out with a payroll company. And they're happier for it. It works for us. And I try to encourage that. Anything that's going to take stress off of my employees, I am all for. I love that. So let's talk about the other side. You clearly fight to the death for your employees. Well, I don't want to get you in trouble. Like, how do I word this? One of the things I'll say, I'll get myself in trouble first and then I'll take all the fire for you. How does that work? I think managing people is rough and it's hard. And especially when you started the business from scratch, I think you have this vision of how you want things to run. And then when it doesn't run like that, it causes frustration. And I'm talking about in me, especially because the level of training that we put our team members through is pretty nuts. The training for like a new person, we have a couple new people right now. I mean, they're just doing nothing but taking notes, getting asked questions, being given projects to work on these. They don't even realize it's very like Miyagi. Like they think they're waxing the car, but they're really learning a lot of stuff. Like we have a, a new guy on our sales team. We gave him a data entry project. He's like, oh, great. I'm this experienced sales guy and you guys are making me do data entry. He doesn't realize that he's literally learning how to use our CRM perfectly because that will be his number one tool moving forward. So like we do a lot of stuff like that. And then when mistakes get made, no one really ever gets in trouble. But privately, there is this moment where you're just like, oh, my God, come on, man. We've trained on that 50 times. You train on it weekly. So you clearly put a lot into your employees' happiness and mental health and growth. How do you react when you have 
whether it's like one person who just doesn't work out well, or what do you do when the team has a bad day? How do you deal with that? We acknowledge it and we talk about it. And I think that that's the most important thing you can do. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm perfect. I'm not. Our hospital's not perfect. We screw up every day. I screw up. I make mistakes. We talk about it. Like you get vulnerable. You tell them, hey, I messed up. Or hey, you messed up. Like you dosed this cat wrong. This could have been really bad for you. And we need to talk about it so it doesn't happen again. And I think that that's the key that you always have those difficult conversations as soon as things happen. You can't hold things in for six months and then bring it up at a review. It has to be talked about now, get it over with. And I think that your employees will respect you more for that. And if you have built this relationship up with them, they will be more accepting of your constructive criticism or of their mistake and creating that culture of accountability where it's not super uncomfortable to be held accountable. Like, yes, it's uncomfortable because you screwed up, but it's not like, the world's ending, my boss hates me, I'm going to get fired type of situation and that type of anxiety. Like, we don't want that. I love that you just said that because I can't tell you how many times like we'll see something on a site that's getting built. We'll be like, hey, you know, we just caught this. Can you make sure to clean that up next time? Like something that has happened to us in the past that we train a lot on is like, the size of the logo file that goes onto a website. Most people don't know this. It's one of the first things that loads on the page. The menus on every page. You want to have a crisp logo, but you also want to have it be as small of a size as possible in kilobytes instead of megabytes or gigabytes because you want it to load really quick. So there's like balance when you put it into Photoshop and, and kind of get it ready for a website. And, you know, every once in a while, someone will like leave it like three times larger than it had to be. It looks really nice, but it might slow down the load of the site and we'll like train on that. We'll go through little things like that. And it's not the end of the world, but we've had employees in the past where like, hey, you know, the QA team was looking at that website. They noticed that the logo was just under a megabyte, that's way too big. Make sure you scale it down. Make sure you get the mobile version ready. I know I'm talking like gibberish to everyone out there, but these are little details that are, for us that are important that you know might get missed. And it's and we've had people in the past where even over something like that, like have a really rough day about it. And you're just like, you cannot let that little piece of feedback ruin your day. You got to keep going. I would say the thing that I struggle with that I work really hard at is changing my tone and the way I give feedback to every single person based on the person, not just like, Hey, this is how Adam does it. Do you do it like that? You, you kind of tailor it to each person. Yes, that is so important. And if you're spending the time to get to know your staff, you'll know how one person might react versus another person. And a lot of these like podcasts and CEs that are like, you know, this is what you should be doing, but they don't always say how. So if you don't mind, like just diving into like how to get to that relationship. One thing that we do is we do not do reviews, which is probably going to get me in trouble again. I feel like reviews sometimes just produce anxiety in staff. And instead, we do a quarterly check in with all of our staff. And we have different topics that we're going to go over. And it's kind of their chance to talk to us about whatever they may want to bring up at that time. But it really helps to form that relationship so that when we do have to give feedback that may not be easy for them to hear, it's going to be received better because we put the time in to build those relationships with those people, which is so key, you know, in any business, but especially one like a veterinary hospital where there's just so many emotions over the course of an hour, even it really makes all the difference. I can't even imagine like what it's like there every day. Due to COVID, we had a beautiful office. We were in the office all day. I mean, the thing that used to 
drive me crazy just so everyone knows what a freak i am it's like monday mornings like 40 people come by the office hey how are you i'm good how was your weekend it was great thanks for asking how are you it was good okay i'll talk to you later next person like hey how was your weekend what'd you do i'm like it was great how are you all right talk to you later next person do you have a nice weekend i had a nice weekend you probably don't care this is what i did what did you do okay talk to you later so i was weird because i well i'm weird but i'm always just like does anyone really care what i did this weekend but now we've gone remote and we've worked really hard at building this culture which is extremely hard remotely i cannot imagine <laughs> oh it's no it's so hard and it's like it's weird because Recently, we have a Duffy boat. So like we'll invite employees out on that. We go hang out with them and get like food and we'll get drinks and stuff and and do it that way. But it's really hard when you're on Zoom and when you're in Slack. And and that's kind of our it's interesting, too, because at one point when our head of development came on Javi, like she hadn't met her team. And then she took them all out to lunch in LA because most of them are in LA. And it was awkward because it's like, oh, hey, nice to meet you. I've gotten like mad at you over Zoom or Slack before. And now we're like meeting for the first time. So, you know, I would say at least hospitals have the ability through all of this to at least still be in person and at least still have some of that communication. For us, it's been really, really weird. For you, there's COVID. With all of that, like, what do you do for team building when there's COVID and there's craziness at the hospital? Do you do anything special for it? We do a lot of educational things here. And our goal is to expand that even more. Like, even if it's just like one of the doctors having maybe like a lunch meeting about a certain topic in better, like heartworm disease or something, just a refresher. You know, I do have a friend of mine who's active on LinkedIn, who runs Empowering Veterinary Teams, Alyssa, she's amazing. She's come to our hospital a couple times to do in-person trainings for like CPR and anesthesia monitoring. And we have plans to bring her back. And she's like super engaging with the staff and doing things like that. And when we do that, we shut down, like we're losing money and it's okay because we're investing in our teams because they're a long-term investment. Just team building that way goes a long way. We do other things like we, right during COVID, we took like a mental health day at the hospital where we closed and we just all hung out all day and we were outside and we played games and we did that and we have like an annual party and we have lunch together every day, which no one will probably believe me because if you work in a veterinary hospital, you never get lunch, but we have lunch together every day and we make it a point that for the most part, unless there's like a surgery that ran over, we have like an emergency. We make lunch breaks really important here so that everybody can kind of take a minute, eat their lunch, enjoy each other's company. And like, we're laughing and talking the whole time. Not everybody's just on their phone the whole time. So it's it's great. All of those things just help continue to build relationships. You do have to kind of be willing to maybe put that revenue aside, but think of it in another way. Like, you know, when you look at a PL, your labor costs, like it's an expense you know, people are like, oh my gosh, they're so expensive, but we really should be seeing them as an asset, like on your balance sheet, like an investment in your business and a long-term investment. You know, the more money and time and effort you put into your staff, it's just like a machine or like a website for you guys, like the better it's going to be. So, you know, kind of changing your attitude towards that and, you know, investing in team building things really goes a long way and you will make more money. We are very, very fortunate here where we're very successful. And people would probably tell me that I'm crazy if they looked at my labor and benefits numbers. 
Ours are high too. And it's interesting. It's like something that we talk about where we're like, okay, we have to figure out those numbers, but I want to continue doing a lot for our team. And that's the most important thing to me. So I think we get called crazy on the literal same, you and I are probably picturing the same line on the PLs, to be honest. And it's yeah, like, probably. well, and mine's like, mine's like percentage of labor cost to revenue. That's something that we always think about. Okay. I have like three more questions that I'm just curious about because I love you're like, you took some honest juice and we're just going crazy here. Have pet parents just gone like completely off the deep end since COVID started? I know they're they're typically nuts. And I'm saying that because we see the reviews, we see some of the crazy stuff that comes in for our hospitals. So I just imagine that like actually dealing with these people every day and it's not everyone, but there's more craziness than before. Yeah, I would say people are on edge definitely more than before. But I think if you just do your best to just treat them well, for the most part, they do great. And like, I don't tolerate anything bad from clients. I just had to call a client the other day because he was super rude to my receptionist. And we talked about it. He was having a bad day. And at the end of that conversation, he apologized. He apologized to her. But it was very direct. Like, you're not going to treat my staff this way. Like, oh my God, you're my new favorite person. Cause I've had to have that call. I've, I mean, and, and honestly, there's probably a couple of people that have been on the other side of that call. I maybe have to do it like four or five times a year. I think I've had to do it once so far this year. And it's just, just so funny. I'm like really glad to hear you say that. Cause I'm totally about that. If you're horrible or rude to my employees, whether it's on the phone, over email, I don't give a shit. I can't tell you maybe in, in the six, seven years of Whisker Cloud, I think maybe 15, 20 times, I've basically said, if you think we need your money to survive, we don't. And I always tell people, you don't have to be here. You can go do your thing. You can go find someone else. Good luck. So I love that you did that because I think that's probably the best thing I've ever done for my employees. And I've told this story, but like a year ago, maybe not even a year ago, but six, seven months ago, we had a new customer in the first couple of weeks who was onboarding. It was just so rude and nasty. And he was on the phone with me and his client success manager, and he was not addressing her. I'm not kidding you. He's like, so then she said, then she said, I said, hold Hey, stop talking. She, she has a name and she is on this call right now. She is not invisible. You need to start addressing her. This is nuts. And he's like, it's okay. I'll be talking to you. So I said, and then she said, I said, Hey, I said, dude, I don't have time for this. I will literally hang up and then you can talk to her or figure out what you want to do from there. So I, my guess is you probably weren't as mean as I was, which is good, but that guy really drove me crazy. And anyway, so I ended up saying to him, here's your refund. I don't want to work with you. And it was funny because his business partner called him and was like, Hey, don't listen to him. We'll make this right. We've already gone through two other companies. We don't want to miss out on working with Whisker Cloud. I'm like, good luck with number four. Bye. Good for you. That's awesome. No, it wasn't awesome. I mean, well, it's awesome, but it's like, it's not like there shouldn't be like a medal for it. To be honest, I had a lot of fun on that call. And, and I always tell our team, well, A, okay, well, wait, hold on. Here we go. Last couple minutes of this podcast. Who said this? And I say this a lot at work. A good king must not seek out war, but must always be prepared for it. Yeah, for sure. Do you know who said that? No, I don't know who said that, but that sounds awesome. <laughs> okay, well, for, oh, come on, Marvel fans from Thor. Uh, you know, it's been a while since I've seen Thor. <laughs> okay, so yeah, o Odin said that. And then it comes back up in Ragnarok where Thor says it to Hela. But it's true. And I'm really about that life. I avoid conflict at all costs. And I'm very Bruce Banner. And then you bring the conflict to me and you bring the fight to my front door. 
there's no banner anymore. And that's kind of my thing. It's like, I'm not going to call on the phone and curse people out and scream, but we're kind of not going to bullshit, especially if I've had three or four people do their parts on our team to be really kind and nice and it keeps escalating. Then it's going to be like the situation where it's like, "Mm, okay, I think you came to me because you wanted to like scream at a fourth person that ain't happening today. Yeah. And that's so important that you do that for your team and you have good people on your team. Your people are always super nice. I mean, we always joke around here, like, if there's like a nasty client or something, I'm always like, okay, Philadelphia is about to come out. (laughs) 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 I keep it in check most of the time, but it's, you know, I will not hesitate to like fire a bad client. (laughs) Hey, there's a reason that the Eagles have a jail in their stadium. Not a lot of teams do. If any fans of a team that throws batteries at Santa Claus, I wouldn't mess with them. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah. You know, we have that and gritty and all of his memes. And it's just, I love Philly, but we're not very nice up here. I was like, I was just at a conference in Philly, the hospital managers association conference. And there are so many people from like the South and the Midwest. And they're like, oh my gosh, it's so like loud here and traffic. And people say a lot of bad words just in like normal everyday situations. And I'm like, yeah, that's, I mean, that's Philly. Yeah, that's you me know. too. <laughs> and just for everyone listening, cheesesteaks do not have green peppers on them. I'm just going to put that out there. So. <laughs> My cousin, he works at Comcast. He he just left. He lived in Maniac and he just left and went to, uh, he bought a house in Medford, New Jersey. But my wife and I went out to Philly for the first time a couple years ago to hang out. We had a blast. That was so much fun. Oh my God. Walking through like Washington Square and I got to see the Liberty Bell and, and go to Independence Hall. I had a lot of fun. That was great. Yeah, Philly's awesome. Took our pictures at the love sign like every other tourist on earth. <laughs> so let me ask you one last question then. We'll leave it at this. Well, we'll, we'll ask two. One real one for the people, you know, one that the people listening might care about. So you have the ear of probably thousands of practice owners right now. What would you like to aggressively tell them to cut the shit and start doing better for their people? (laughs) Pay your people better. Yeah. If you have a practice manager, you have to stop micromanaging them, start trusting them and invest in their education if you feel like they're not doing well. So many practice owners, I think, just like micromanage, 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 and it's their downfall. Because who wants to work for a micromanager? I don't. Like, I will tell you to back up. Like, let me do my job. I know what I'm doing. And they just got to stop. They just have to trust. You have to have a trusting relationship with your managers. Be there for them. Check in with them. Ask them if they're okay, because they're probably not. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. It's to the point, and it's true. And I think a lot of the hell you see online from practice managers is probably directly correlated to, I mean, I, I would say the top level people, it was called that report directly to me. I have very personal relationships with them. I know them, they know me, they know what's going on in my life at home. I know, I know what's up with them. I mean, that's just kind of how we treat it. I'm all about that. Final question, because some people might be interested. Do you have a favorite Marvel movie? Oh, my favorite Marvel movie is definitely, it's gotta be Endgame. That movie just had so many feels. (laughs) Uh, That was awesome. That was like the last Marvel movie I think I saw in theaters before COVID. I used to see every single movie like in the theater, like the weekend it came out. So uh, hoping I get back to the theater soon. I'm not quite ready yet, though. I love it. Yeah. Endgame I saw in theaters three times and it was like the my wife and I went opening night and. And afterwards, she asked me what I thought. And I was like, I just, I actually had to go the next day because I was so, 
I was kind of upset about how they treated Hulk. They they kind of made him a softy as opposed to like what I like in the Hulk. So that kind of, and I think I was so fixated on that, including in the final battle. I'm like, I want him to go knock someone out. And we didn't get that. But seeing it again, it really hit me. So, well, I just got to say you rocked it today. Thank you so much for coming on and everyone out there listening. Seriously, listen to everything Melissa just said. These are really important things. And on top of that, if you have Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, all of that, subscribe to this podcast so you can listen to experts like Melissa tell you how you should be running your business. So thank you so much for being here and everyone have a wonderful day. Thanks so much for having me.